the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Thank you, sir. Welcome back. Hour number two, 605 here on your basic Tuesday edition of Lifeline. Craig Roberts with you today in studio. Eric Santos, filmmaker, extraordinaire, former radio guy. He figured it out. See, I'm still hanging around. He, he figured out radio eventually you need to retire from the thing. And uh, he's done just that, but turned a corner with a major career change going into filmmaking. And this brand new film we're talking about, Fill Your Heart, is going to be debuting here in the Bay Area this coming Saturday. In fact, it'll uh, premiere at Theater DeVille in Vacaville. Details and tickets available online by going to fillyourheartthemovie.com. You can also check out the film trailer there. And uh, strong Christian theme. I mean, you, you get into all the sort of dirty deeds. You talk about betrayal, greed, addiction, depression, even death. Yes. Uh, this is not nuanced. I mean, you're you're pretty straightforward in, in all of these areas that, frankly, are issues that a lot of us face. I mean, it, you know, right. if you look at it, it's the gambit. It's life. And at some point or another, at some juncture in each of our lives, we're faced by all of these challenges. Um, give us a sense, and, and then we're going to meet one of your, your film stars. Give us a sense of the, the ultimate message. What's the takeaway for the viewer? You know, I guess the the main point that I was kind of aiming for was that regardless of any financial status or where you grow up, you could grow up in the inner cities or you can be well-to-do and, you know, and Piedmont or where have you, you still got decisions to make in life and you have to make the proper decision. It comes down to decision-making and, and choices have consequences. That's right. They yeah. really do. And, you know, working in the jails, you know, being a minister in the jails for many years, a lot of them have really poor decision-making skills. So I'll kind of use the examples of those bad decision-making skills and where they end up, which is in jail. And, and you know, some are, are, are sick with, you know, bad diseases, and some even see death. Some are still addicted while, in, while incarcerated. So it comes down to an addiction, not an addiction. It just comes down to these decision-makings, right, where once you, once you choose Christ, then no matter what comes your way, it's all manageable. So it's, it's, it comes down to um, knowing that, that Jesus, you know, really did die for our sins. The temptation of the flesh can come in many fashions. Um, you, you hit on one of the areas that, that is, I think, a challenge for a lot of people, and that is dealing with greed. Yes. Or the, the desire to want to be all. I mean, it's, it's kind of the Kardashian syndrome, I right, guess, in, right. <laughs> in more modern terms today, right? Um, and and you, you put in some of those poor choices that people make that mm -hmm. sometimes we're willing to even betray a dear friend Correct. in exchange to try to get the fame and fortune. Right. And that, that dovetails into welcoming into the conversation um, Zen Navarro. Zen, in the film, you play lead supporting actor Eli. Tell us a bit about your character and what happens. Well, Eli Cole, he, he's a very short fuse, to be honest. Um, the fact that he's dealt with you know, his mom being an alcoholic and his father never being in his life, um, being broken has led him to just be a very short fuse, the reason he betrayed his best friend. Um, being that character itself was very, very difficult 
because where I stand in my life, I've always wanted to, you know, help out others. So just trying to bring that forward was very hard. But I think I did a pretty good job for that. <laughs> Would you agree, uh, Mr. Producer? He, he did a wonderful yeah. job. I'm yeah. very, I'm very pleased. I'm yeah. very proud of him. Yeah, you, you really, you have to reach down and and find, I guess, a part of you that, I mean, essentially, uh, an actor is someone that you're you're a pretender. You're out there. You're faking it. You're you're, yeah, you're trying right. to be somebody that you're not, and dig down to try and find who that character is that you're portraying and pull that out of you and betray it before the screen and do it in a fashion that that you may not you may know deep down it's not you but you're trying to convince the viewer that it actually is you yeah and it's it's actually me playing that character has led me to know there are actually people out there that have done this to other people Mm -hmm. and are actually living this this life that eli actually lived and it's it's depressing but at the same time um god has his way always has his way in everybody's lives and always can heal and is capable of any person no matter what they've gone through so you mentioned to me off the air that this was a bit of a a stretch for you in the sense that modeling has been your background and this is your first real serious foray into to acting and you wind up in a film not a bit part this is a this is a two-hour feature film (laughs) this is not just you know well he put together a 10-minute little feature thing on movie maker (laughs) thank god for uh, apple and that's it i mean this is this is this was a serious undertaking for you were there moments when you thought what did i get myself into here what did i agree to Actually, no. I was actually really excited because before this film even happened, I was always spiritual and always like in touch with my own thoughts, knowing that there was something out there that existed. So when you saw the script, did it click and you saw, you know what, I can do this and there's, there's a reason why, there's a compelling reason why you want to be involved in this project? Um, to be honest, yeah, because I've always prayed upon it and told myself if a role like this ever comes to me, I want there to actually be a purpose behind it and mm-hmm. not just be something like how you're seeing kardashians just for the money and yeah. the platform of that i gotta i'm reaching a platform that's going to reach people and actually you know fill their hearts and that really is at the core of your motivation here i mean certainly films can can educate they can entertain they mm-hmm. can distract yes. um but a film where you can walk away that causes you to really examine yourself and ask yourself the important questions um, is the kind of film that can really accomplish something in terms of changing lives it really can, it, and that's exactly where <clears throat> where I was I was praying for is to know that a person has to look inside of themselves and figure out would I do that? I'm saying, mm-hmm. you know, is this something that I do? I am I greedy? Is this something where you know does fame really you know tickle my ear? That that's what I want to you know kind of look into, and that I'm willing to betray my my best friend that I grew up with from you know childhood, you know, for fame and so forth. So it's almost extreme. What, what is a man if he Gains the whole world but loses mm-hmm. his soul. Right? <laughs> Who's the target audience with this film? You know, um, I got I got this message in my in my heart that a lot of people tend to always want to go for the people that are unsaved. But to be honest with you, I, I actually want to wake up the church because there's a lot of people that are in the pews that don't even know God. They go there just out of a habit. And you know me being a men's director at my church over at uh, at, at uh, New Hope Christian Fellowship in, in Vacaville, you know I see guys that really you know they've been in church for thirty years but they know nothing of the Bible, so I have to take them you know and kind of spoon feed them and kind of bring them bring them forth. So this movie I really want to hit the church to awaken them. light a fire, light a fire, yeah. wake up, you know. 
And 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 without a doubt, I mean, we're we're in an interesting juncture right now in in America, where you know, for some there's renewed hope, for others there's major degrees of panic. Uh, but but there's no doubt, even as we look at the statistics of what's happening with church attendance, right? Um, that while perhaps the interest in spiritual things has not diminished any. There's been a major shift taking place where young people, they reach high school or college age, Mm -hmm. they want nothing to do with the faith of their fathers. They're out doing their own exploring, and and in the process, who knows what false teaching, what lies that they lob onto in in order to try to find some sense of personal satisfaction and value and meaning, uh, only to waste a lifetime to figure out that it's all eventually fruitless, that they've been chasing their tails and not not chasing anything that had any validity to it and promise to it. You hit the nail right on the head. It's exactly what's going on today. I know church attention is down, but even the ones that are there, they're asleep. You know, they're asleep. Not to say, you know, I haven't been to your church, but in my church, you know, some guys are asleep. And I'm trying to say, okay, let's wake these guys up and make them effective. And they have to be effective and kind of, you know, where they have the growth and they can be the leaders of their homes. And from there, you know, the kids kind of need, they need that guidance. They need that leader. And uh, I just want to make sure that the house, again, has the order that, you know, that that is designed to be. Oh, and the irony is, you know, we can sit back and, and try to analyze, well, what's happening with the church? Why is it that there seems to be in this sort of uh, slumber uh, period right now? We're losing our effectiveness or the appeal yes. is waning. And yeah. and I often come back to the 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 fact that we need to be compelling. We're asked, we're, we're, we're mandated to go out into the highways and byways and compel them yes, to correct. come in. And yet, more often than not, we as the church are not engaged in living a lifestyle that is compelling. You know, when you can't tell the difference between the church and the unchurched, when, you know, you you, you try to live like a saint like on on, on Sundays and you live like the devil Monday through Saturday night, (laughs) then people are going to look and say, well, there's nothing different about you. There's nothing compelling about your life. There's nothing about this Jesus that one iota says to me. I, as a non-believer, want to know more about that. <laughs> if anything, people say, oh, you're one of those, yeah. and they hang out the garlic and say, get away from me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's so true. I mean, that's exactly um, you know, what, what it's like out there, and it seems like everybody seems to um, you know, either hate our president, you know, and what ends up happening is they look at – because a lot of people tend to have a hatred towards the president, and then they want to put a Christian – and he says he's a Christian, so now we all get – that jacket, you know, we're all lumped in the, you know, into the same bag. But um, I, I just noticed that it's just, a, you know, me being a political talk radio for many years, you know, I grew up as a kid as a liberal. And then as I got older, you know, I switched to being conservative once I, once I bought property and figured out, maybe, you know, <laughs> what are all these taxes? That has an impact on you. Huh? <laughs> what happened? Right? First time you write a check to the, the county of San Mateo <laughs> right. for your property oh God, taxes, yeah. all of a sudden you're. <laughs> There's a whole ballgame, new ballgame that yeah. happens, right? Yeah. So from there, so there is, you know, we grow, we we end up growing, we end up learning, and and so forth. And I think that the you know Christians do have we have a bad name, and it looks like society for the most part, and and the millennials, right? They they don't understand Christ, they don't understand Christians, and they try to put us. They look for the worst guy that says he's a Christian, mm-hmm. and now all of them, all of us are like him, in their mind. But uh, you know, nevertheless, what do you think, Pastor Martin? <laughs> Oh, as he was saying, you know, when you receive the Lord, it says that 
that new creation has become the oldest passed away. Amen. As you were saying, sometimes you can't even tell them apart, you know. And and I believe that your movie is really going to touch touch on that. And and not only that, I think I think the nice aspect about your movie is the soundtrack that's going to be coming out that's going to draw in the people of that era of that music yeah. and uh, it's really going to uh, to make an impact now, now elaborate on that point we heard the trailer of course it's got that very yeah. big movie yeah. big Hollywood <laughs> production sound to it but what uh, a lot of the a lot of the uh, the compositions in the film are all original you know there's a lot of originals uh, Pastor Martin here is from the, the group called El Rey he was the original back then, the original lead singer from Malo. Um, now, a lot of folks don't know Malo, yes. Yeah, right. Well, actually, that wasn't the original. The, the guy that sings Suavecito, that's Richard Bean. And actually, he's going to be performing at the DeVille on Saturday. He has a song called Can't Make It. Can't, right. I, I can't make it. So I can't I make it. Right. And so they're going to be, he'll be actually live with the band. Uh, then there's another Christian band called Bueno. Um, these are all ex-Malo band members that I toured with. My, I call them my road, my road dogs. And, uh, and then I was with Malo between 1993 and 1997 and recorded their last two albums. But he's got a great array of, of music um, that's really going to capture. It's going to keep people on the edge of their seats. It's going to get them jumping. It's going to get them high-fiving. It's going to get them laughing and crying. It's Amen. You know, interesting enough, so I was, uh, you know Denard Fegans, right? Oh, yes. Okay, so Denard is my engineer. He's actually my music supervisor. You know, you got you to gotta hook me up with him. We lost contract. <laughs> he, he, he was an engineer for quite a while, too. I was, I was yeah. trying to bring him here today, but, you know. but He, he said, Robert's not. I don't want anything to do with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had to keep him over there. He's still working on the last part of the film. So, nevertheless, he's tied in with all these these artists, and there's an artist by the name of Dwayne Sweets who, who um, actually worked with Barry Gordy. And he helped mm. Barry Gordy with some of the uh, his movies, which is Lady Sings the Blues and and Mahogany, and um, so he came out. I, I go to Denard's studio just on a day, and he's there, and um, they're watching my movie, right? They're kind of watching the, the edited version, and so Dwayne looks at me, and goes, "Are you are you the director of this movie?" Right? I go, "Yeah, I actually wrote it too." So he goes, "Brother, I don't know what's going on here, but the Lord is telling me that I have to help you." with this soundtrack so he volunteered all his time didn't ask for a dime and is sitting there putting in i'm i'm talking hours and hours of of time putting together the score you know soundtrack for you know for my film so he put the score together which is you know a lot of people don't know what the score is but the score is a right the, the music that kind of you know that gives you the the sound under the scenes and then we have original compositions done by Martin Cantu here. We got one from Richard Bean, who, where I'm going to open the movie with this song. So a lot of the local artists from, from San Francisco have come forth and, you know, and, and, and asked to be part of the project. So it's a, it's a blessing in many ways that you know, people have come together. And this is something that I've always can only dream about. So there's really a, not only just a sense of community, but also a sense that God, as we suggested earlier, has really pulled together yes. all of the right people from yes. all of the right places with all of the right talents, skills, and yes. abilities to really make something here. Very much so. And one, one key thing I kept remembering the Lord telling me, it's all about relationships. We kept saying, it's all about well, relationships. That's the core message of the gospel, right? isn't it? <laughs> and I kept thinking, what, is, what does he mean by yeah. that? And he kept saying, "There's," and he kept using, we're all puzzle pieces, right? Mm -hmm. So you're a puzzle piece, I'm a puzzle piece, and the next thing you know, we got a beautiful picture, right? 
and you, Craig, you're a blessing too. You're you're part of the puzzle piece, and you're also you know you're you're one of you know God's uh, um, men that he you know we've known each other for so many years. You've been in my life uh, back in early 2000. Well, ironic as I had mentioned to Zen uh, before you you uh, <laughs> showed up so late tonight. <laughs> so, you know, a friend had called me and was asking about my truck. He was getting ready to buy a truck and wanted to, to get my opinion on the brand. And and as we got to talking, gee, do you know anybody? So as a matter of fact, I know a guy that that's uh, that's a broker, completely unaware, and of course you respond back with, no, I'm not doing that anymore, I'm a filmmaker, you're what? Here's my new film opening up, and then I get into the office and I find out from Wanda that you've been booked on the show. Amazing. I mean, it was just... <laughs> really, see it's, all the, the intersections taking yeah. place, and you didn't even have to make any effort. Wow. It was a God thing all the way. I call those holy hookups. Right? Absolutely, and, 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 absolutely. And the, and the Lord does. There's coincidences, them. and then there's God incidences. That's right, exactly. Absolutely. And hey, let's take a brief time out. We'll come back with some closing thoughts. Let's get a look at traffic for you right now. Twenty minutes after the hour, the latest from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're talking about a new film debuting this coming weekend, this Saturday, in fact. It'll be premiering at DeVille Theater in Vacaville, and it'll be showing throughout the Bay Area. We'll keep you posted as uh, Fill Your Heart makes its way through the San Francisco Bay Area. Details available on the web, as well as a chance to watch the trailer at fillyourheartthemovie.com. That's fillyourheartthemovie.com. We are talking with producer, director, writer, Eric Santos, also uh, one of its uh, lead stars, Eli, on the film, Zen Navarro with us today, and uh, Pastor Martin Cantu with us as well. And uh, let's kind of put a bow on this. We've been talking about the challenges of independent filmmaking, but also the the tremendous liberty that it has given you to produce a film that doesn't just entertain but it inspires and challenges and you you alluded to the, the real walk away here for both believers on and non-believers obviously the the message for the believer is uh get out there and get moving that's right um and for the non-believer it, 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 is it fair to say it, it it's an opportunity to really see the well, well the old adage the wages of sin is death right <laughs> but to follow him right. is new life i always say go out there make a decision right to find your peace and your mm-hmm. joy you know the, the lord has peace and joy it's the only source you can get it from go get your happiness right and once you get your happiness you know don't give it away because the enemy is going to always come left and right to try to take it from you but he can't take it from you you have to give it away so Hold on to your peace once you have it, right? And you're going to do that just by growing in his word and who the Lord is. And, uh, you know, for me, just walking in faith and just, you know, hearing, be still, hear the Lord and just move forward. And if you have a dream, go after it, you know, consult the Lord first if you want his blessings, but just go after it. But, you know, I think a dream, a, a dream happened here. <laughs> I don't want to jump, jump, uh, get too, too too far ahead here, because the the uh, the Bay Area premiere doesn't happen until Saturday. Uh, but I'm I'm compelled to ask you, uh, from here, what's next? Hmm. Well, you know, I got I got to consult my manager, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's the next? Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to try to. Uh, right now, we're we're working down the peninsula to see if we can get uh, every city to kind of do a a premiere or some sort of a premiere to host the film and uh right now we're we're actually in negotiation with san francisco at the brava theater right off of 24th and daily city over at the century theater uh working with the mayor 
the the mayor wants to throw a big uh, celebration there. And then also we're going to have one coming up on July 12th, which is the one that's actually booked at the Church of the Highlands. So they're going to they're going to host uh, a, a a viewing of the premiere there. Fantastic. And, and uh, a- any any initial scripts, things floating around in the back of your mind? Oh yeah, I've already started writing my second script. Really? Oh, good for you. Good <laughs> See, for you. Now it's getting easier. Once, yeah. once you do one, yeah, you know the second one. T- yeah, it's like having a baby. Yeah, once exactly. you've had one, you know what to expect. <laughs> That's it, right? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I I I just want our listeners to be in prayer for you. Um, independent filmmaking is a huge, monumental task. And while certainly, as we alluded to, the technology lends itself that it's far more possible today than it was certainly 30 years ago. Yes. But that said, that doesn't minimize the amount of effort and labor and time and resources that are necessary to pull something like this off. It's it's one thing to have a dream, to see the dream go from dream state into fruition and then begin impacting lives uh, that's real special. That's that's the kind Amen. of stuff that really uh, demonstrates um, God's faithfulness. Yes. And likewise, your faithfulness to the vision and what God called you to do. Amen. And uh, we need more independent Christian filmmakers like yourself. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna if, if I might call upon Pastor. Um, can to just lead us, if you word would, in in a word of prayer, and I'd like to have the listeners join us yes. because this is an amazing adventure that you've embarked on. We want to see God continue to not only bless you but to cover you and to open up the door for more future projects. Hallelujah. Lead us in a word, would you, Pastor? Amen, amen. I've known Eric for such a long time, and it's great to see him what he has uh, evolved into, and it's all. Uh, Christ-based, and I can say that, that he truly is a man of God. So, Father God, we just lift him up to you right now, Lord. I ask you that you bless him, Father God, with an abundance of favor, Father God. You did that uh, to Joseph in the Bible. You did that to many people in the Bible, Father God, and I just pray that the grace of God is on him right now, Lord. I pray that you bless him with open doors. I pray in Jesus' name as it's been going, as you can, he talked about the police in Vacaville, how they gave him favor, and I just pray that it continues and continues. There's a scripture in Psalms 512 that says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous, you surround him with your favor. So, Father God, right now, we just bless him. We ask you give him a double portion of your anointing. We ask you to open up doors that no man can open, Father God. Allow him to, to, to give you the praise every single day, Father God. When he wakes up, there's going to be a new blessing waiting for him at the door. So, Father God, we lift him up to you. We also lift up this radio station, Father God, that blesses people all over uh, the Bay Area, Father God. Continue on using them as well to spread your gospel, to plant a good seed, Father God, and to lift up new someone new into salvation, Lord. We just ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Fill Amen. your heart, the movie.com. That's the website. Check out the trailer again. The uh, Bay Area premiere coming up this Saturday. It'll be in Vacaville, as we mentioned, at the Theater DeVille. And again, details and tickets available online at fillyourheartthemovie.com. I'd like to thank our in-studio guests today, Pastor Martin Cantu, um, Zen Navarro, and Eric Santos. You know, I knew you were capable of knocking down doors in radio. Now you're doing it in film as well. Keep up the good work, my friend. Local boy makes good. That's it. All right. Let's take a look at traffic. 632. Back over to the KFAX Traffic Center with the Lord.
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. As we introduce our guest tonight, I am reminded of many of the weddings, certainly down through the years that I have attended, where generally after a few glowing words that are spoken by a minister in attendance, uh, there's an exchange of vows, and, and much of this seems to focus on largely the notion that they're going to live happily ever after they are completed in each other, uh, that there is uh, just a wonderful thing that happens when two people come and, and pledge their love in marriage. And then, of course, reality sets in. And I, and I say that somewhat with tongue planted in cheek, but yet I think a lot of us have some pretty big distortions about what marriage is, what the roles are between the spouses, and uh, what the expectations ought to be. And boy, especially in this arena of expectations, uh, oftentimes people are in for a very rude, rude awakening. And of course, uh, the evidence of that is the divorce rate in America today. Well, Dr. Chris Thurman has taken the time to dig down into many of these myths concerning marriage and outright says, look, uh, you need to rethink your approach. You need to go into this by being transformed by the truth if you're going to have a hope of a successful marriage relationship. Dr. Thurman, as we mentioned, is an author. He is also a Christian psychologist. He's conducted hundreds of personal growth seminars addressing uh, topics including marriage. And his new book is called The Lies Couples Believe, How Living the Truth Transforms Your Marriage. And Dr. Thurman, good to have you with us on the program. Craig, thank you so much for having me. Well, this is a, an experience in life where amazingly a lot of married couples go into this thing with eyes wide closed, don't they? Well, unfortunately we do. We walk down the aisle and uh, we think we might have a pretty good handle on what we're getting into, but uh, God certainly uses the marital relationship to um, challenge us and to get us to uh, see more clearly what marriage is all about and how he's trying to use it to help us to mature. This this image first out the gate, and it largely seems to be uh, kind of the thing of which uh, fairy tales are made of as opposed to most realistic and long-term marriages, and that is this notion that we're going to live happily ever after, that once we say I do and the ring exchange has taken place, that it, it's only the rare couple or the people that don't work hard enough that end up getting into trouble. But most don't most couples, when they go into this, really think that, that they've got all they need to be successful? I think they do, Craig. I think that's a common assumption that people make. Um, and I do think that we buy into kind of the Hollywood notion that um, it will be happily ever after. And uh, as you said earlier, the reality of marriage being difficult and people being fallen and hurtful at times uh, begins to set in, and then we're not so happy, and we begin to question if we're not careful having gotten married, and we begin to think about other options and uh, think that happiness might be somewhere else out there for us. Hmm. Failed or incomplete expectations. That that seems to kind of be one of the most glaring, if we had to look for uh, maybe an overall overreaching, overarching phrase about where people run into so much trouble, doesn't it? That their expectations for what marriage is about, their expectations about how they're going to relate to their spouse, how their spouse will relate to them, is oftentimes one of the big danger areas, isn't it? 
I think it is. I think we do, uh, even if it's unconsciously, I think we go into marriage with these uh, fairly lofty expectations and that uh, oftentimes are not all that grounded in reality as to what a person can bring to us, what we can bring to them. And so expectations can be a real killer in a marriage and lead people to be bitter and resentful when those expectations are not lived up to. Let's reset a few. Early on in the book, and and when I read your new book, The Lies Couples Believe, I thought, boy, um, (laughs) wouldn't this upset a lot of brides who were busy uh, writing their marriage vows uh, to read the book and and specifically your chapter on uh, how the spouse will complete me or will meet all of my needs. I've been to many weddings where the vows that are exchanged and lovingly you even see this take place during the reception when they're toasting each other or cutting the cake, how that my husband so-and-so, my wife so-and-so, she completes me. And that flowerly language sounds lovey-dovey, but it falls short of a major reality, doesn't it, Doctor? It does. Um, You know, the reality of every human being is that we're finite, and uh, we can't possibly meet the total package of needs that another human being has. But again, we buy into the idea that if we have found the right person, they're going to be capable of completely meeting every need that we have. And uh, what I try to discuss in that chapter is God has a wide variety of healthy, appropriate ways to meet your total package of needs, and that we need to be careful not to drop all of our needs on our spouse's doorstep. And that's pretty uh, pretty unrealistic, too, isn't it? I mean, in terms of the enormous amount of pressure that it puts on an individual. I mean, think certainly from a Christian perspective, uh, we ought to be thinking about God as the one uh, who is most completely and fully capable of meeting all of our needs, to put that kind of pressure on a spouse, to have that level of expectation, I mean, it, it would seem to me you're, you're setting yourself up for disappointment because, let's face it, we all make mistakes. We're all frail. We're all human. We are still all struggling with sin. Well, we are, and, uh, you know, I I don't think God is bothered that we put that pressure on him because he's omni. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere at once. So he's not intimidated by us turning to him for our needs to be met. And and I think he, my own understanding is that he wants us to be incredibly careful about not putting that kind of pressure on a spouse, or a best friend, or anyone else down here on earth. We're talking about this matter of being transformed by truth in marriage relationships with Dr. Chris Thurman. The new book is called The Lies Couples Believe, and I I find it interesting because we get into early chapters in the book that talk about the misnomer of happily ever after, or how that uh, my spouse will complete me or meet all of my needs, and it's very evident that Those two misconceptions alone sets the marriage off the rails pretty quickly that the balance of the chapters in the book deal with now the sudden attempt at compensation when things are not going idealistically. And, of course, we find out that there's an awful lot of lies that we believe in that attempt to try and compensate or reason our way through 
why things aren't going as idealistically as we thought they would or should. We'll talk about that further as our discussion continues. Dr. Chris Thurman, our guest, he is the author of The Lies Couples Believe, How Living the Truth Transforms Your Marriage. A brief time out, back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation. Craig Roberts along with Dr. Chris Thurman. His new book, The Lies Couples Believe, How Living the Truth Transforms Your Marriage. Let's talk a bit about um, how this goes off the rails pretty quickly, Doctor. And you dive into this fairly early on in the book. One of the, one of the lies that is oft repeated, and I think it's our, sort of our attempt to try and, and, and mentally uh, justify the early cracks that we see in the fuselage, so to speak, in our marriage. And that is this notion that, well, yeah, there's some difficulties here, but my spouse is really the bigger problem. You know, Craig, I think that's very common for people to um, think that way. Uh, it is my spouse who's got more issues. They are the more troubled person. They have the bigger plank in their eye than I do in mine. And that kind of uh, mindset obviously is pretty hurtful to the person that you're married to. Uh, it's pretty, uh, for lack of a better word, it's pretty arrogant for us to think that uh, we are not equally as big of a mess as a human being. And um, it's just sad that we would ever, you know, have that attitude and uh, not have a more humble attitude of, you know, I've got my issues. Uh, I am just as much a co-creator of our marital health or sickness, and I need to be uh, humble about that when I'm interacting with my spouse. You know, oftentimes that same distorted perception as to who the problem is also tends to be a means by which we sort of self-justify by saying, well, you know, at the end of the day, I'm making the effort. I'm doing all the hard work. Some spouses might say, well, I work all day long and I bring home the paycheck. Or the other spouse says, yeah, but I'm taking care of the kids and taking care of the house. And so as a result, I'm entitled to my spouse's love. Talk to us about that lie. Craig, the the whole issue of entitlement uh, is especially toxic in marriage. And that's a tough uh, teaching to go into these days because I think, unfortunately, uh, we're almost raised to think that we are entitled. You know, we're entitled to the good life. We're entitled to be treated with respect. And when it comes to marriage, if we're not careful, we think we're entitled to our spouse being loving, entitled to them being kind, entitled to them uh, carrying their fair share of the load. So what I'm after in that chapter is I want us to consider shifting away from an entitlement mindset to I would like my spouse to uh, love me. I would like my spouse to help me carry the load. More of a humble attitude of I want that from them. I'm not entitled to it, but I desire it. There's also this notion that we oftentimes... um We'll try to justify some of our own faults or failures by saying, well, 
you know, I am the way I am because uh, no, you know, no fault of my own. This was the way I was raised. I realize that I have simple or a certain uh, uh, failures or faults. But at the end of the day, my spouse just has to accept me the way I am. And of course, that usually is coupled with and but all of the defects that he or she has, I'm going to work toward changing them. They have to change, not me. Yes, I uh, in that chapter I mentioned the uh, cartoon Popeye <clears throat> because one of his more iconic lines was "I am who I am," and um, what I'm going into there is a lot of people have that attitude, and it's really kind of a smokescreen for I don't want you to push me to change, I don't want you to be on me about anything that I might need to polish off the rough edges of. So do we need acceptance from our spouse? Yes, of course we do. Are they supposed to accept us warts and all? Absolutely. But does that mean that we shouldn't be open to them saying, hey, I don't like this about you. Would you be willing to work on not being that way? I think a marriage that isn't an iron sharpening iron marriage is a no-growth marriage. So I'm very concerned whenever my couples that come to see me kind of wrap themselves in the accept me as I am flag and basically don't want to do any changing while they're married. Mm. Now, toward that end, there's also this notion that um, we would get along better if they would just think like me. This runs into cases, for example, in a marriage where there's a spender and a saver who have married. And we're saying, well, if my if my spouse, who's this major spender, would just become a saver like me, if they just act or think or be like me, that would fix all the problems. You know, I have to admit, uh, that's one of mine. Um, I'm not stereotyping military families, but I grew up in a military family. And uh, we were really told, you know, this is the way you clean things. This is the way you organize things. You need to wax it, shine it, windex it, salute it, and uh, this is the right way to do it. So when I married my wife, Holly, 35 years ago, I had a pretty uh, stubborn attitude about, you know, you need to be like me. I'm the one who knows how to do it right. And if you're not doing it the way I do it, then you're obviously wrong and you need to adjust. And... Uh, you can imagine how poorly that goes over with another human being who um, is more than free to be the person God made them to be and to have their own style and to not uh, apologize for that. Let's talk about some other issues here that really go to the core of dealing with bitterness and anger. And uh, it's interesting because this reminds me of the person as they're as they're suggesting that um, a spouse must, for example, the the other offending spouse must be the first one to forgive or has to earn forgiveness from the opposite spouse, that this oftentimes also becomes a place where we suddenly find ourselves not only trying to negotiate the, the topic of forgiveness with our spouse, but I would suspect it's like trying to negotiate the terms of forgiveness with God. I think so, and uh, that was one of the tougher chapters of the book to write because um, I think a lot of us do think that forgiveness has to be earned and that the other person has to repent of what they're doing before we will uh, bless them, if you will, with our forgiveness. And so in that chapter, I try to go into the idea that I think is biblically solid, which is forgiveness is commanded. Uh, God says forgive. And so we are not to wait on forgiving somebody. We are not to uh, make them jump through certain hoops before we forgive. 
Um, and uh, I think that's a hard thing for people to to do, especially when the other person isn't sorry and they haven't stopped. So I try to distinguish between forgiving somebody and what it takes to reconcile with them, which is another chapter of the book. But And, of course, ironically, as we talk about that in perspective of our relationship with God, you know, it, it, certainly he wants there to be reconciliation. God wants to be reconciled unto his creation, wants to walk in fellowship and relationship with his creation. But we also have to recognize that on God's terms, it requires repentance. Yes, and that's uh, a distinction that a lot of people also uh, are a little bit slow to get to. Uh, I try to use the uh, prodigal son story to drive home the issue of forgiveness versus reconciliation. And so in that story, as far as I can tell, the forgiveness had already been granted, if you will, by the father to his son before he returned from the foreign land. So forgiveness was already achieved, but the reconciliation couldn't take place until the son came out of the foreign land. So with my couples, I push them pretty hard on, hey, guys, you're kidding yourself if you think you guys can reconcile if neither of you are repentant of what you've been doing wrong that's been hurtful to the other person. The new book is called The Lies Couples Believe, How Living the Truth Transforms Your Marriage. And the book, by the way, is newly published by David C. Cook and available at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, as well as the usual suspects, Amazon.com, and also through Dr. Thurman's website, Dr. Chris Thurman, Dr. Just Abbreviated DR, DrChrisThurman.com. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.